Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Amen. I appreciate the singing this morning. It was amazing just to hear the choir sing, to hear you all sing this morning. And my heart was blessed. I hope your heart was blessed. If you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 28 this morning, 1 Samuel chapter 28, I thought I knew what I was going to be preaching on this morning. Pastor Unizzi, a couple weeks ago when he spoke, he mentioned something about trying to figure us out, trying to get the church to say amen, trying to figure out what I got to do to get them to respond when he preaches. And I was thinking about that, and I was reminded of a lady some of the older church members will remember this lady's name when I mention it. But I was reminded of a lady by the name of Rosalie Cropper. And what was amazing about her was she was late every Sunday. I mean, every Sunday, service started, and she made her way down the middle of this aisle. And I remember as a young man sitting here on the on the left side of the church, if you're facing me, and I watched her as she made her way up front. No, she didn't stay in the back because she was late. She made herself maybe here in the third or fourth pew. And I remember watching her, and she would come in every Sunday about the same time. I would say church already had started, but to be truthful to you, church didn't start until she came. Because when she came to church, everybody knew. And she would sit there and the preacher would begin to preach and she would begin to shout. And she would stand up and she would say, preacher, preacher. And as a young man, I locked in. Because whatever she was saying, when she was praising God, because of what the man of God was saying, I knew there was something that the man of God was saying that I need to lock in on. And I thought I was going to be preaching on worship this morning, but the Lord took me to another passage of scripture. He wanted me to preach this thing today. And so I'm going to be obedient to what he wants me to preach. And... You're concerned or you're worried about what I'm about to say, take it up with him because I'm just a messenger. When I look at this passage of scripture, I'm reminded of some things. 
I'm reminded of we're just mere mortals. And God is the God of this universe for a reason. And I want to, as I said earlier, I want to be obedient to what he would have me to preach. And so I want us to look at 1 Samuel chapter 28 and make your way down to verse 15 and 16 because of time and because of what the Lord would have me to say. I want to zoom in on verse 15 and verse number 16. Verse number 15, if you found that this morning, please say amen. First Samuel chapter 28, verse number 15, and it says this, And Samuel said to Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God is departed from me and answers me no more neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called thee, that thou mayest make known unto me what I shall do. Then said Samuel, Wherefore then dost thou ask of me, seeing the Lord is departed from thee and has become thine enemy? Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Father, for the privileges, Father, to stand behind this sacred desk. Father, I don't take it lightly. And Lord, I ask now, Lord, that you would empty me of self and fill me with your spirit. Father, I pray for our pastor as he's down in Florida this morning. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would use him there. I pray, Father, that he would be a blessing to those people as he has been in the past, Father. I pray for him and his dear wife now, Lord, as they make that transition, Father, here. Lord, we thank you for giving us, Father, I feel, Father, a great pastor, Father, that's going to bless this church, Father. And I pray, Lord, that we would be a blessing to them. And now, Father, I ask, Lord, that you would continue, Lord, to encourage this church and continue to encourage them. And now, Father, I ask, Lord, that you would meet with us this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would help me, Lord, to be a blessing, Father, to your people. Father, I pray, Lord, that I would say what only you would have me to say. And Father, help me, Lord, to be able to allow you to be glorified and how you to be lifted up, Father, because it's all about you and not about me. We love you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I was thinking about the young people this morning, and I was thinking about the teenagers, and and I was thinking about the young adults, those that are in college, and those that are single, and and the Lord gave me this message, and, and I want to be able to preach it to you because I want you to be able to see what God has showed me and how God has challenged me and has and how God has used this message in my life, Lord, to be a blessing to other people, but to also reevaluate my life and how I see him and how I should see him moving forward. So I want to deal with 1 Samuel chapter 28 this morning because I believe what was happening in this chapter is happening far too often in Christianity today. 
we're opening our Bibles and we're looking in on the first king of Israel, Saul. How did he get there? Well, he got there because the people of God weren't happy with God being their king. I mean, when you got the best, anything else is going to be less than the best. See, the, the danger of not being satisfied with the best is that you're always in for something worse. So they said to Samuel, everybody else has a king. We want to be like them. Hmm. It reminds me growing up. My parents would say to me, you're trying to be like everybody else? If everybody else jumped off the cliff, would you jump off the cliff? Well, why does everybody say that? Because it makes sense. Something that is silly doesn't become less silly just because a bunch of people doing it. It's silly because it's silly. And if everybody does it, then the smart thing to do is to do what's right. Yet they wanted a king. And God answered their prayer. Be careful what you ask for. God might just give it to you. So he gives them a king, and the king is Saul. He didn't give them a bad king. He didn't give them a weak king, per se. See, Saul stood head and shoulders above everybody else. As a matter of fact, not only did God give them Saul, but God gave them a Saul that he had made over. The Bible says that God gave Saul another heart. He prepared him to stand before the people of God, and he prepared them to rule before the people of God. He anointed him. He was chosen, and God was standing with him as long as Saul stood with him. Not one year, but two years later after, I mean, he got in right, he got help from God, and God gave him people that would follow him. But two years into it, chapter number 13, Saul makes a boo-boo. He messed up. There was a victory that, he, that had been won by his son Jonathan. And they were waiting on Saul, God's man, to come back to offer a sacrifice. And Saul starts looking, and Samuel's taking a long time. And Saul knows that the priest is supposed to offer, but the priest is taking a too long. So Saul steps into the shoes he can't fit. You say, what's wrong with doing a priest's job? A whole lot's wrong with it when you're not the priest. I mean, what's wrong with doing a parent's job? A whole lot's wrong with it when you're a child. I mean, what's wrong with doing a pastor's job? A whole lot's wrong with it when you're just a member. What's wrong with being a man that looks at stuff? A whole lot is wrong with it if the stuff you look at ain't yours. See, see, everything is not bad, but it comes bad when you do it and it's not yours to do. So he steps into the priest's role, and of course Samuel says, shame on you. You messed up. And God is dissatisfied with you. He's going to replace you with a man after God's own heart. That's two years into it. By the way, he, he's reigns, he, he reigns for 40 years, but two years into it, he's going to be removed after 40 years. And yet... He let him stay there knowing his removal was forthcoming. Chapter 15, God says, go and utterly destroy the Amalekites. What do you mean utterly? I mean everything. Man, woman, child, beast, everything. Was, was God unclear? Most of the spiritual decisions that we make that are wrong are not because God was unclear. Well, the Bible has a lot of gray areas in it. And those are not the areas that we typically have a problem with. See, matter of fact, I learned in the, when we walk with God that if I do right in the areas that are clear, then God will give me more clarity in the areas that aren't clear. See, if any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. You heard what I said? Destroy everybody, man, woman, beast, and child. And yet Saul does his own thing. It seems like Saul has a problem doing his own thing. 
God rejects him. So Saul's messed up. He's failed God. His days are numbered. His replacement has been chosen. Come on now. Listen to me. As a matter of fact, by the time we get to chapter number 28, his replacement has not only been chosen, he's been anointed. See, David was anointed by Samuel in chapter number 16. Wait a minute now. Although he was anointed, he was not ascended to the throne until later. Sometimes God had already set you for something, but just because he set you for something don't mean you have to have it. But sometimes you have to wait on the Lord. Sometimes we say, God, you said I can have it. Yeah, but not yet. By the time we get to chapter 28, David is on the run. Saul doesn't like that God has chosen David. Oh, well. I hate to tell you this, but God doesn't look on his laptop before he makes a decision and investigate whether or not you're going to like it. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. I mean, the Christian life is never trying to get God to do what I like. It's trying to get me to like what God is doing. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of thine heart. See, David is on the run. As a matter of fact, he ends up with the Philistines, and he's amongst them, and God spares him from having to fight his own people. Thank God that when we're in doubt about God and you end up with the wrong people, that God's mercy sometimes lets us get out. Now, in chapter 28, Saul is in trouble. His days are numbered. Two years in, he's messed up. God said, you're going out. Chapter 15, he messed up. God said, you reject me, I reject you. But he's still got a crown, he's still got a robe, he's still got a throne, but his replacement is alive, and Saul is trying to kill him twice. David catches Saul off guard, and and he could have killed Saul. But he said, I will not touch God's anointed. What God has for you, he has for you, and he'll do it without your help. See, we have too many commando Christians that want to shoot their way into what God has for them. Don't you think if God is good enough to find out, find you out of nothing, that he's good enough to put you into something? Come on now. See, if God has something for you, he doesn't need you to clear the way. He doesn't need you to knock anybody out. He doesn't need you to annihilate your competition. See, wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he will strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So he's in trouble. He's messed up. Oh, he's messed up. Samuel's dead. Saul's in trouble. And in chapter 28, he he needs God. Oh, God, he needs him. He needs God because he needs guidance. And the guidance he needs, he can only get from God. Somebody say amen to the fact that the guidance we need in the sin-sick world that we are a part of, we can only get from God. Let me teach you something. See, the world can only teach you how to make a living, but only God can teach you how to live. See, the world can tell you where to get, get a marriage license, but only God can give you a good marriage. See, the world can tell you how to get a doctor to deliver your baby, but only God can tell you how to raise a child. See, the world can tell you how to spot to find some bachelors or some bachelorettes, but only God would tell you how to find someone that has a heart like him. See, today we need guidance, and it can only come from God. See, but he and God aren't connected. So he's going to try to get something from God from some other way but God. And we'll talk about that in the story in detail in a minute. But he's not on good terms with his God. So 
He is going to go to somebody who he thinks is on good terms with his God, who will give him what he needs from God because he's not in a position to get it directly from God. You follow me on that? Uh, Now, son, because you didn't eat your vegetables, you cannot have any cookies in the cookie jar. Yes, sir. Because you didn't eat your vegetables, do not touch those cookies. Yes, sir. We'll, We'll talk about this when I get home. Dad leaves. He gets in the car. Mom comes in. Mom, could I have a cookie? Um, yeah, I'm sure we got some cookies over there in the cookie jar. One, two, three cookies, four cookies, five cookies. He done warmed them up now. (laughs) And got a glass of milk. Watch this now. And calling himself safe because mom gave him authorization. But I'm telling you, he's not safe. Because when mommy says yes to something that daddy already said no to, I don't care what mommy said. You're wrong, not because you disobeyed mom, but because you tried to go around daddy. Somebody help me preach now. You, you can pull it off with mom because daddy done left the house. Dad is not there to watch what you're saying. And mom is not omniscient to hear what... Daddy has said to you, because mommy and daddy are just mere humans. They can see everything and know everything because they are limited. But I'm going to tell you that that game that you pull on mommy and daddy, you can't pull on God. See why? Because he's too wise. He's too smart. He's too everywhere. He's too amazing. He's too omniscient. He's too omnipresent. He is God for you to try to go around him. So I'm going to preach a message entitled today, You Can't Get Around God. Well, preacher, why are you preaching? Because I meet people who don't want to get married right, so they go find a preacher, they will marry them. You may get a marriage license, but you won't get around God. See, I find people that don't want to live right, so they go find a church that, they, that won't tell them to. You can find a church that won't tell you to live right, but you can't get around God. See, I find people that don't like the way the King James Bible sounds, so they get the Bible that they like the way it sounds. You can get a Bible that you like the way it sounds, but you can't get around God. See, I'm trying to preach this message, but I've had 20 more amens, and I might go along with it, because here it comes. Listen, let me tell you something. I'm telling you some people don't want godliness, so they'll go somewhere where godliness isn't popular. See, listen to me. You can have your carnality advocated, and you can have your sin authorized, but you can't get around God. See, I'm saying some people don't like preaching, so they go somewhere where they're soft preaching or they stay in bed and look at some preaching on the television. See, you can get a television preacher and you get a prosperity gospel. You can get somebody to slap you on the head and make you forget that your leg hurt. (laughs) But you can't get around God. See, you can go down the road and you can find somebody to tell you what you want to hear but you can't get around God. See, oh, you can get around me. I'm not that smart. You can get around your your husband. You can get around your wife. You can get around your parents. You can fool everybody in this auditorium. (laughs) But you can't get around God. See, listen, 
You can put a nice suit on. You can put a nice tie on. You can have all that sanctified sound, pick up all the fundamental and Christian terminology. You can hallelujah glory in the name of Jesus. You can bless the highly favored. You can claim to speak in tongues. But there comes a day when the eyes of the Lord pierce past the facade. And he says, I want to know if you are living, are you holy? Are you being godly? Are you serving me? Are you in your Bible? Are you on your knees? Do you love me more than you love the praise of man? See, you can get around the preacher, and you can get around your boss, and you can get around some people, but you can't get around God. See, why are you preaching this? Because I want you to stop trying. See, I found out a long time ago, when I was in school, the teachers would, for some reason, think they need to give us a test after they taught us this stuff in the classroom. I'm like, you already taught me it. Why I got to take a test on it? And then I spent all this time trying to figure out how I can get around without spending too much time studying for this test. You know what I found out? I wasted more time trying to get it around when I should have just studied for the test. So let's look at this story. If you're taking notes this morning, write this down. It begins with a distressful experience. I mean, what's going on? Saul messed up. How has he messed up? Well, first of all, he has got an assembling foes. Look what the scripture says. Samuel is dead. Look at verse number four of 1 Samuel chapter 28. Samuel is dead. And the Philistines gathered themselves together. You see that? And the Philistines gathered themselves together. The enemies are circling around. I say, that's a problem. If you serve God long enough, you better be ready for the enemies to circle around. They'll circle around your marriage. They'll circle around your ministry. They'll, They'll circle around your morality. I hate to tell you, serving God doesn't mean the enemies are going away. It just means you have somebody to fight your battles. I said the enemies are assembling. He has some assembling foes. And because of these assembling foes, write this down, he had some abounding fears. Notice what the Bible says in verse number five. Verse number five. And when Saul saw the hosts of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart greatly trembled. Watch this now. When enemies get around you, it causes you to be afraid. Why was he afraid? Well, assembling foes and abounding fears caused him to be afraid because of some alarming facts. Some of alarming facts. Now, what were these facts that alarmed Saul? Here they were. The Lord answered him not. Dreams. Oh, well, can't get no dreams. I'll check the urine. The Urim was like, we don't know if it was a stone or a stick or something that was in the priest's breastplate. It was an instrument that was used to gather the mind of God. So when the king didn't know what to do, he could go to the priests and Urim and thumb them and find out what God was saying. Saul said, I can't get a dream. Let me check the Urim. No, there's nothing there. Well, let me ask the prophet. A prophet ain't saying nothing either. I like to tell you, That's distressing. 
You said God was being mean. No, God was being fair. Why? Why wouldn't God talk to Saul? Because the last several times he had tried to, Saul wouldn't listen to him. Now, here's the danger of being in a position where God is not answering you. What are you going to do? What are you going to do when a child rebels and you can't get an answer from God? What are you going to do when the marriage is on the rocks and you can't get an answer from God? What are you going to do when your money is funny and you can't get an answer from God? What are you going to do when you're in the unemployment line trying to get a job so you can pay your bills and you can't get an answer from God? See, see, that's what Saul failed to realize. God is not a genie that you could just rub the bottle when you need help. God is somebody that you walk with every day. So when you need help, you're on good terms with him. So this is a distressing experience in the life of Saul. He's got problems and not a God to help him. Number two, write this down. His distressful experience led to a deceptive endeavor. Led to a deceptive endeavor. Well, God did not answer me, but I got all these enemies around me. I don't know what to do with them. And uh, since God won't answer me back, let me find somebody who can get me in touch with somebody else who's in touch with God and see if that somebody who gets me in, in touch with somebody else who's in touch with God, get that somebody who's in touch with God to answer me back. So who are you going to get, Saul? I'm going to get me a, a witch. I'm going to get me a witch, a medium. Watch this, something devilish to get me connected to God. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to go to the devil because the devil can get me connected to a Christian because the Christian can get me in touch with God. <laughs> now, I never call anybody stupid, but doing this is stupid. Y'all find me a witch. Fellas, find me a woman with a familiar spirit. That's a lot of words for a witch. They still got some of them. I mean, you see them all around. <laughs> Devils involved witches, seances and palm readers and psychics. Familiar spirits, hey? Familiar with the devil, but they ain't familiar with God. Oh, there's one in indoor. So let's go to, uh, let's go see. Look at verse number three, if you will, with me in your text there in your Bible. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had lamented him and buried him in Ramah, even in his own city. And Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Now Saul had made a decree already uh, that if you were a witch or you were a wizard, or you either had to be exiled or killed. See, Saul made that law. And now when Saul was in trouble, he went to the people that he had prohibited. Oh, did you hear me? See, you let people be right with God, they will preach against everything you let them. You let them fall out with God, they will go to the stuff they used to preach against. Go to the churches they used to condemn. Go to the activities they used to gossip about people being involved in. Find me a witch. I thought witches weren't allowed to practice by your decree. Don't pay attention to what I decree. That was a different day. 
So he went, write this down, a prohibited source. Write this down too, with a pretentious scheme. He disguised himself. I don't want her to know who I am. I put on another raiment and, and he took two men with him and came to the woman by night. Don't go during the day. Go when it's most inconspicuous. That tells me he knew what he was doing was wrong. Because he waited until nighttime to do it. What you preaching, preacher? I'm preaching. I'm glad you're at church this morning. But I'm wondering where you were last night. You don't have to tell me now. Tell it to Jesus. Why not? Because he doesn't know. But it's good for you to let him know that he already knows. Pretentious scheme. Write this down. A pitiful solicitation. I want her to uh, look at verse 9, if you will, with me. I pray thee, divine unto me by the familiar spirit, and bring him up whom I shall name unto thee. Ma'am, i like you to conjure up from the grave or from wherever he is the person that I name you. This is devilish stuff. He going to the woman to conjure up a name. Political solicitation. You the king of the armies of the living God, and you going down to the devil's domain to get guidance, domain that you decree prohibited? And she says, wait a minute, notice the precarious scene here. I can't do that. Behold, thou knowest that Saul has done. She didn't know that that was Saul that had speaking to her. Notice what Saul had done. How he had cut off those that have familiar spirits and wizards out of the land. Wherefore then layest thou a snare for my life to cause me to die? Now this is the witch. This is what she does. It's like going to McDonald's and asking for a burger and they're saying to me, why are you here for a burger? It's like going to Baskin Robbins and asking for ice cream and they're saying, why are you here for ice cream? I mean, that's what they do. Now, you go to Baskin Robbins and you get ice cream. You go to McDonald's and get a burger. Now, that's not real beef, but we understand something that you go there anyway to get a burger. The other day, I went to the bank. And as I get to the bank, the security guard meets me at the door. And he asks me, why are you here? Why do you think I'm here? I'm here to get some money. I, I, I'm trying to get some money out of the bank. He goes, well, all the tellers ca called out sick, and there's nobody here to help you. Then why are you open? <laughs> why are you guarding an unoccupied bank? There should be a closed sign on the door. I'm thinking, I drove all the way down here for you to tell me, do you know how much gas is today? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? It's like going there and not getting ice cream. You don't go to McDonald's and ask for a burger. Well, it's not real, but that's what they serve. That's like the other day. You say, preacher, what are you saying? When you have a witch to do what a witch does, the witch doesn't go, I can't do it. Unless that witch that works for the devil got more sense than, that, than those that work for God. 
See, when the world don't want you to help you with God's stuff, something is wrong with your Christianity. You show up in a worldly place, I'm not really supposed to serve you. You're one of those saved folk, aren't you? You ordered what? With what in it? How many? Last time you were here, you put one of those pamphlets on the table with your church's name on it. Open Bible, wasn't it? No, 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 no. I didn't leave nothing. That ain't my church. I don't go to open Bible. See, oftentimes your lifestyle will force you to lie. When I say force, I don't mean you have to. I just mean you're going to continue that lifestyle until you have to or one or the other is going to predict the other. Now listen to me. Here you have a devilish woman giving advice to a Christian man. I can't be doing witch stuff to you, sir. I mean, we've been shut down in the kingdom. You didn't hear the decree? My business has been closed. Watch this now. The government shut us down. And there's nothing on the doctor that says they're going to vote on reopening us. This is what she's saying. And that's what your friends are saying when you call them up on a Saturday night to do something devilish when they know you're a Christian. I thought you don't fool with us. You start saying a word that they say. Ooh, isn't it amazing that the world has a problem with us doing the same thing they do? They don't have a problem with them doing it, but because when we start to do it, they have a problem with us doing it because we told them that we don't do it. And then he goes, <laughs> if you would write this down, a particular search. Please, please bring it up. Uh, I just need you to bring me up, Samuel. And watch this now, presumptuous security. He offers her. I promise you, look at verse number 10. As the Lord liveth, the nerve. As the Lord liveth, man, in the name of the Jehovah, thou shalt not be punished. So, you so you're going to use God's name when it's convenient. In the name of Jehovah, well, he ain't talking to me right now. I called him on three different phone lines. He didn't answer near one of them. But in the name of Jehovah that liveth, I lied. I messed up. I messed up. I messed with the priest's job back in one chapter. I failed to kill the people in chapter number 15. He's already directed me, replaced me. He's about to sit on my throne. I'm trying to kill him. I can't find him. But in the name of Jehovah, we haven't talked in weeks and months. We've been robbing him the last four weeks. But in the name, listen to me. Don't be calling God's name to give somebody security when you and God are on speaking terms. Please, please get me Samuel. Samuel? Samuel who? The same one you wouldn't listen to? They'll call back. They will call back. They might not call you back, but they'll call somebody back that you run with trying to get the answer you used to give them because they're in trouble. See, see, what the devil doesn't tell you, he tells you that serving him is more fun, but he doesn't tell you that there's a ceiling and that ceiling can't be exceeded. 
See, the devil can only take you so far. The devil can only get you where God can get you. See, the world can't get you where Christianity can get you. Come on now. See, please, pleasure can't get you where principle can get you. Tradition can't get you where truth can get you. And good can't get you where grace can get you. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Come on now. Nobody's going to take you where God is going to take you. Help me. Get me, Samuel. He wouldn't listen to him. Why? He was alive. So now I'm bringing him up from the dead? Number three, write this down. Divine exposure. I'm hastening. You want who? Uh, I like uh, Samuel. And the Bible said, look at verse 12. And when the woman saw Samuel, you can make your decision whether you, she saw a presentation of him or was it really him. But the Bible says she saw Samuel. So somehow God allowed Samuel to appear, at least in that sight. You know what I believe? That when Samuel showed up, Samuel told her, that's Saul. Notice what the Bible says. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. Now, I'm not definite, definitive about this, but I have a feeling that when Samuel pulled up, he said, woman, do you know who that is right there? That's the king that fired you from trying to, and now he's trying to rehire you. Oh my goodness, thou art Saul, why hast thou deceived me? Ooh, 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 hell. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Preacher, what are you doing? I'm telling you the hound dogs of heaven have hunted him down. He's up a tree. And they're standing at the bottom. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Listen to me. You can run, but you can't hide. See, the hound dogs of heaven will hunt you down. Eventually, you'll be exposed. Immediate revelation. Write that down. I know who you are, God. I can see you through that disguise. Ironic reassurance. Uh-oh. No, ma'am. Don't worry about that. You're going to be Okay. How are you going to give her insurance and insecure restlessness? Write that down. What do you mean restlessness? Obviously, Saul must have been in a different room than what she was in because he couldn't see. Look at him like a little kid standing in line for a roller coaster. What you see? 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 What sawest thou? Verse 13. Be not afraid. Don't worry, sister. It's all good. He's trying to help her in her witchery. Watch this now. You're going to be just fine. Why? Because I need to find out what you can see. Watch this now. What's that you see? What sawest thou? Verse 13. And the woman said unto Saul, I saw God descending out of the earth. What? 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 Look at verse 14. And he said unto her, what form is he of? Listen to me. When you get out of the will of God and you start running to the world, you'll be calling them every five minutes. Nervous. Did you find out anything? Did you get out? Hurry, hurry up, hurry up. 
It's nighttime, but daytime is coming. What you see, what you see, living for God, you will never make you restless. But if you come to church restless, what was the message on? You might be living in sin. Write this down. Insulting requests. Here comes Saul. He bowed himself. Now you want to bow? Verse 15. Why hast thou disquieted me? Why have you brought me into your confusion for? Interrogating rebuke. I'm sore distressed. God has departed from me and answered me no more. Look at that. Neither by prophets nor by dreams. Verse 15. Therefore I have called thee that thou mayest make known unto me what I shall do. I mean, God won't answer, so you are the next best thing. See, see, the, the smart thing to do from a worldly standpoint, when you don't want people to know who you are, is to ask somebody who can't tell. Help me. I didn't know what else to do. Watch this now. I'm out of the will of God. I'm not living right. I'm not in my Bible. I'm not obedient. I'm not a servant. My back is against the wall. So I called you. You ever get calls like that? People don't call you who you try to help do right. And after they find out the wrong things that they're doing, can only get them so far, they'll call you trying to get your help. They want you to help them with their righteousness even though they won't live it. God is not a psychic. God is not a fortune cookie. God said, you want to get something from me? Then live for me. And this is the question where we draw our message from. Verse 16. Wherefore then dost thou ask of me, seeing the Lord is departed from thee and has become thine enemy? Here's what the preacher man said. Why are you asking me to help you when you're not on good terms with God? Here's what he's saying. Why do you expect me, a servant of God, to be your friend when you and God are enemies? By the way, that's a holy position for Samuel to take. That's the position. In other words, I as a child of God will not side with anybody that God is standing against. If you don't act like you agree with that, you may be silently pledging your allegiance. Listen, we are in the end times. And the devil will convince us just because we're not engaging in the activity that we're not guilty by association. Somebody listen to me. God help us. We need some children of God to say, I'll side with, who's, with what God sides with. And I'll side against who God stands against. We need to stop being passive. We got to, enough with this neutrality. We got to stop saying my name is Bennett and I'm not in it. And I don't want to offend anybody. See, that's what the world does. It pushes us down. It makes us think like, oh, shh, don't say anything. My name is Paul, and that's between y'all. I'm going to stay out of it. That's what, the, that's what the world does. But let me tell you something. The devil doesn't mind offending Christ. 
The world doesn't mind offending morality. The world doesn't mind offending marriage. The world doesn't mind offending holiness. God, give us some men and boys and girls who will stand like a tree, planted by the rivers of water, where when they stand against, I stand against. Anybody, God stands against. That's what we need. I'm not talking about being ugly. I'm not talking about being nasty. I'm not talking about being rude. I'm talking about being principally oriented. Obedient children of God that have more than talk and actually some walk. I know a guy that I grew up with. We played on the same sports team. And I remember when I was on pastoral staff here, I was in the other building and I was walking down the hallway and this guy I hadn't seen in years. He walks into the building, walks into the gymnasium, and he starts kissing the floor. And I walk up to him. I'm like, where you been? And his response was, I'm back. I'm back. I'm like, you notice he didn't ask me where I've been. Because he knows where I've been. And he came in here and he's like, I'm back. And then we've got to talking. And he was telling me everything that was going on in his life and how he messed up and how he used to sit in those pews and that preacher used to preach that that, that message from the Bible, and he said, I didn't listen to him. I hoffed at him. I, I, I just turned my, my ears away from him, and I was like, he's talking nonsense. And everything that he said came true because I thought the world had more to offer to me than God. Sad part about it, it didn't last long. See, that's what happens. We get in the world, something goes wrong, we start running back, we get back to where we think we need to be, and, and we try to get right with God. We run down to the altar, we get on our knees, and we're asking God to help us. And then when we get a sign of light, we walk right, of, right away from God again. And then we walk away from God, you know what happens? You find yourself back in the world, and this young man, he found himself right back in the world. And not too much longer than that, he went into eternity. Why should God bail you out when defying him is not what, what got you in there in the first place? Now, let's be careful lest we think that prisoners and addicts, gangbangers, and those kind of people are the only people that are guilty of those kind of things. Because this is the king of Israel. I said, this is the king of Israel. See, when sin gets you in a mess, don't expect the Savior to get you out. You can't get around him. I said, you can't get around him. Just because you don't know you're living together and you get married, it doesn't mean that God didn't know. Flee cornication and youthful lust. Just because the rest of them don't know how you talk don't mean God don't know. Just because the choir director can't hear your playlist don't mean God can't hear it. Just because 
you unfriend a godly church member doesn't mean that some of your friends haven't told that godly church member what kind of mess you're doing. Preacher, I don't like this kind of preaching. Well, then you wouldn't have enjoyed Samuel. And you sure wouldn't have enjoyed Jesus. Well, he said, don't cast the first stone. Yeah. Then he looked at that woman that he just ran off her accusers and said, now go and sin no more. See, you can't quote Jesus on the first half and not quote him on the back half. He was a lover of sinners, but he was a hater of sin. See, that's why I'm still against partying and drinking and smoking. Oh, you're one of those narrow-minded preachers. <laughs> that stuff comes from the world. See, my Bible says to come out of the, from among them. See, if I look like the world, how can I reach the world? See, God is not the author of confusion. And I think that's what happens sometimes, young people. You're so often engrossed in the social media and worrying about what this person says. And look at my Instagram page, look at my Facebook page, uh, looking at my text messages, and I'm, and I'm thinking, man, I can't believe this person said this about me. I can't believe this is going on. I, I mean, listen, I mean, you're so busy about wanting to be popular and cute. How about them seeing Jesus in you? <laughs> I'm just a Bible believer. I'm not going to let the manufacturers change the meaning of modesty. I'm not going to let a talk show host change the meaning of marriage. I'm not going to let the politicians decide when life begins. See, I'm not going to let the psychologists dismiss away rebellion. I'm not going to let the doctors medicate the lack of submission to authority. I'm not going to let the television evangelists rewrite the meaning of the body of Christ. And I'm not going to let the self-proclaimed theologians come up with a new Bible. I'll stick with the old-fashioned way. I believe it. It works. It got me this far, glory to God. I didn't have to try anything in the world. I didn't have to run off in the worldly way streets. I had friends that went down that way, and look where it got them. You see, they waved at me, and then they fell in a ditch. I tell you that straight, old-fashioned, holy God, righteous, sanctified, separated, still works. It got me a godly wife. It got me a family. It set me in the will of God. To whom shall I go? See, a bunch of them waved, and they said, I'm going to take the detour, and I'll see you at the finish line. And then they called me and said, Preacher, it didn't work. It didn't turn out that well. So you're the first person I thought of. I decided to call you. Don't call me. Call on Jesus. You get right with him, you'll be right with me. But you can't get around him. You listening to me? See, chosen, listen to me. The devil will be out there waving your way. Come on this way. Join in this activity. Espouse this kind of behavior. Advocate it right because the world says it's right. Be popular. Get you a bunch of friends and they will ditch you. 
You can't get around God. See, there's too much of that Christianity today, trying to bypass God like he doesn't know. You ever try to take a shortcut and ran into a cop? Listen, when I, I remember, I, I had a, I was pastoring, when I was pastoring in New York, I didn't know, I'm in Jersey. You can make a right turn on red. In Jersey, well, I made a right turn in New York. And when I made a right turn in New York, those lights came on. Cop pulled me over. He goes, you made a right turn in New York. I'm like, but sir, I didn't know. He goes, I, I got Jersey tags. I'm, I'm the pastor of that church right over there. And I, I was just finishing up for the day and, and, I, and, I, was, and I was heading out and I didn't know. Now you, you figured, man, if I use that pastor thing, it would have got me off. He didn't care. He didn't blink an eye. He went back there and he wrote that ticket and was so pleasant about giving it back to me. Now, if the cop is going to give me a ticket when I didn't know better, why should God write off the ticket when you know better? Now, you're a member of Open Bible Baptist Church, and you sit in the Bible preaching for many years, some of you older folks. Why? Because I listen to the Word of God, and I do my best, you know, to, to preach the Word of God when I get the opportunity to preach. And I'm not perfect, but I'm not fake. You know the truth. And for some of your older members, you remember this. I didn't say you like it. I said you hear it. And to be honest with you, I didn't like when he said that. But I knew he cared when he said it. I knew he understood things that I didn't understand at the time. And that was God's man for that time. Now Pastor Yanizzi is going to be coming in. And he's going to say some things you might not like. But that's okay, because we need it. Our children need it. The next generation needs it. And if he doesn't tell us, then who will? And what he gets from God, he gives it to us. And it's our responsibility to be obedient to what God has. Now tomorrow, there's going to be satanic mercenaries out there trying to convince you that the straight and narrow way is not the only way to success. Here's what the devil will say. Come on, my way. You'll get there faster. You'll get there quicker. You'll, you'll get there a whole lot more easily. But be careful, be careful. Just because it's nighttime and you're out there in the witch's house, and has a closed sign on it by the government outside of her house, doesn't mean that God at midnight didn't spot you walking in. And it could be who the devil conjures up is getting advice from God. 
what are you doing here? Oh, Samuel, oh, it's so good to see you. No, it ain't. It's not good to see me. I'm telling you the same thing that God wouldn't answer you would have told you. Don't come friend to me when you're enemies with him. Now, I need every Christian in the room today to be honest with ourselves because we're all going to be tempted. And regards, let's conclude where Saul had to conclude. By the way, the last point of my message was a disgraceful ending. He got killed and his sons got killed and then he got killed and he got wounded in battle. He didn't want to die a miserable death and he tried to get his armor bearer to kill him and he wouldn't, so he killed himself. See, when you get so far away from God, you give up spirits and you just lay on the sword. I'm so far from the will of God, there's not use in me coming back to church. Let me just lay on the sword. Then they took him after he was dead and humiliated him, cut his head off and hung it up for everybody to look at him. Long after you fall out of church, you will be hurting, you will be hurting people still sensing the residual of your failure. And your family will be hurt, and your kids will be hurt, and you'll be out of church for about 10 years, and they'll still be mocking what you did. What a sad way to end. See, here's what happened. The son of Kish, being the king that God gave another heart, ended by taking his own life. Why he tried unsuccessfully what far too many Christians try, I'm here to tell you it won't work. Because you can't get around God. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Father, for the message. Father, thank you, Lord, for challenging me this week, Father. Lord, I pray now, Lord, for your church this morning. I pray, Father, for your people. Lord, I pray now, Lord, that I was obedient. And now, Lord, I ask now that you will work in these next few moments. I pray, Father, now that you would be lifted up and exalted. We love you. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.